welcome to Read Leather About, a podcast from the Academic Skills Team at UWS. My name is Linda Riches and I'm one of the Academic Skills Advisors at the University. Today we're going to have another blether in our short series about dissertations and today we're going to have a look at the methodology. And as always, I'm joined by Dr. Kevin Wilson. Hi, Kevin. Hi there. And Ben Farrer. Hi, Ben. Hello. My fellow Academic Skills Advisors and we're going to have a little look at that methodology. So that can often be a section of the dissertation that feels a bit different to other parts of your work because you're really almost like talking about, you know, your research and and how you're sort of going to go about doing things, um, why you maybe made decisions to conduct your own research in a particular way. So we'll start off by just talking about a methodology. Kevin, what kind of... um, questions do you get from students when they mention a methodology to you? Is it something that they get a little bit worried about in yeah. comparison with other parts of the dissertation? What is a methodology? So what the question often I'm asked. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, I yeah, it's kind of what is it? I think the, the, the best way to think of it, certainly one way I've I've kind of it's helped me speak to students about it is just like you justifying the decisions that you made, right? Whenever you undertake research, there's so many different ways you can proceed with your research that at each stage you need to decide on. So for the first thing, the first thing you might decide is whether it's going to be a qualitative research project or a quantitative one or a mixed methods one. You know, that is a first decision. And then once you make that, that decision, there'll be, you know, what type of study is it going to be? And then how are you going to collect your data? You know, each one tends to get more narrow or more specific as you go. But at each stage, there's lots of alternatives which you could have looked at. And really, your methodology is where you, it's as if somebody's kind of interrogating you as to each choice you've made, and you need to support and justify the decision you made and, and show why it was appropriate with maybe some reference to alternatives. But we can get into that, kind of, you know, whether you're not you spend ages looking at alternative methods in your methodology. But certainly, the primary thing that you're showing is, you know, the, the justification with evidence of those decisions that you made and what you know why they were most suitable to the to the aims of uh, of your research yeah and and that that idea of evidence ben that sometimes students get a bit confused about well how do i get evidence for a certain method how wh- where do they find that information um so most of the time um well, all of the time at UWS, actually, whatever you're studying, there will be at least one research guide in the library. Um, usually there are many, um, and you can just kind of make a choice. Really, I, I would advise just choosing the one that kind of resonates best with you, um, whichever one you think about. But they're a pretty good place to start in terms of getting a sense of which methods you could use or how research tends to be carried out in your own specific area. So obviously research in nursing is very different to research in business, which is very different to research in education and and so on and so forth. But there are certain things that you uh, are conventions within the research. And you'll learn this through looking at research guides and also just through your own reading, you'll find. So for, for instance, if you do a lot of reading in education research, you'll find there's a lot of observations. There's a lot of people going into classrooms and, and sort of seeing how things work and then you discuss it afterwards. So um, that kind of thing. I think the thing to keep in mind with all of this, though, is I, I do sometimes get students asking that, you know, there's a desire, which is completely understandable for very concrete answers like, OK, what's a good sample size for mm. quantitative research? Or, you know, how many interview questions should I have for a piece of qualitative research? And the answer is it's as long as a piece of string. The 
thing to keep in mind with research is, as Kevin said, it's all about justifications and the decisions that you've made and showing that you've made the best available decision. So usually it's a case of if the shoe fits, it's the right shoe. So if you are trying to investigate something and you decide you're going to do interviews and you've shown that interviews are a good way of getting information about this because you want, say, detailed information, you don't want stats, you want to actually know the kind of inner workings of this kind of thing, and you've come up with a series of questions and you're fairly certain that that series of questions will get you answers to all of the parts of the research that you want to look at, then that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. and if there's other pieces of research that are using more questions, maybe they're investigating other things. That doesn't necessarily mean that your approach is wrong. It just means that you've tailored it to whatever you want to do. And, and same thing for quantitative stuff. Um, so as always, think very carefully about what it is that you're trying to find out and then try and link your methodology to what it is that you're trying to learn. It's, it's like pick the right tool for the job and that kind of thing. And that just comes from experience, reading those research manuals, and then making some decisions based upon um, that kind of thing. And your supervisor will help you as well because they yeah. will have done active research. So they're an invaluable source of information for this as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Any, any other thoughts on that, Ben? In, sorry, Kevin. In terms of, um, you know, what you need to be thinking about at that point and and using those sources sometimes students get really confused about that methodology yeah i mean the good thing is that you know there's there's so many books out there uh, mm. on uh, on research methods you know it's a whole industry of people just writing there are yeah. what research is right people don't research other anything other than what research is like self-fulfilling kind of system kind of thing mm. but um there's loads of stuff there and loads of stuff on, like as Ben was saying, specific research areas, you know, specific subject areas. I think one thing to think of is, is often when you're reading these things, there'll be different types of stuff you'll get. So let's take something like, you know, I don't know, a cross-sectional study, right? I've just picked some random research term out there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to explain it, but you know, so when you look at that in these in these books and and maybe get a, you know, or these books or any maybe journals about it, talking about this uh, this methodological approach. There'll be some which define what it is, right? So they'll say this is what a cross-sectional study attempts to do, and that'll be good for getting your helping you get your head around it. And then there'll be other points within the, these books where they talk about when it's suitable and what type of studies they're good for and when they work and maybe when they don't. And sometimes that's the stuff which maybe gives you a bit more to say in your justification of it to see why it was most suitable because a definition of a research method. Is helpful to a point, but if you see your methodology as a justification for your decision, then you want to be able to say why that was suitable to your to your specific study and why you know using that type of design had benefits for for what you wanted to do. And I mean, other thing is it's not a comprehensive like you know you don't need to be saying every single decision you made was the absolute perfect decision. You know you might yeah. be able to point to the fact that you know you're aware that there was it might not have been perfect. But it was the best of, of of the options that you had. You know, that's what your your kind of discussion can reflect that type of thing as well. And there might be moments where you indicate that you know that there are certain limitations to to that that aspect of of, of what you've decided to do with your with your method. But that you know that out of the the options that you had, it might be the most suitable. But that comes again through reading about is you know reading about the 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 methods across different sources and, and taking that knowledge to as both definitional knowledge, what they are, but the, the, the kind of um, the knowledge which kind of 
sort of the information which gives you ideas about house football and, and, and stuff there. That's the stuff I think, as I said, tends to maybe give you a bit more to say in your methodology. It t- helps you justify them, uh, justify that decision you've made. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to really, and also, I guess you just, you have to think through your actual research as well. So as we've mentioned before, you know, what you've discussed in the literature review should logically move on to then what you actually do for your research and then your methodology is justifying all those decisions that you that you made. We should probably mention briefly the idea of ethics and that, you know, you will probably have to fill in an ethics form. If you are doing primary research, you can't just go and ask people questions without, you know, making sure from the university's point of view that it's, you know, it's okay for you to go and speak to certain people or certain groups. That's something that you would get help from a a supervisor with. And I think you have to make sure that your ethics form is in fairly early in the process as well. And you can't conduct that research until you've had that ethics approval. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's you know, the dissertation is, is you, know, you do it as part of the institution of the university. So the right, university yeah. needs to be sure that if yeah. you're out there talking to people, that there's not some, you know, unethical issue being undertaken, or you're not practicing in a way which, which would reflect poorly on your you as a student and then on the institution um, as yeah. a whole. Yeah, that's right. it's worth mentioning a lot of those kind of subject specific research guides often do have sections on ethics as well. So yeah. um, it's because, uh, again, it can, you know, if you're working in education, it's you probably need to consider working with uh, minors and that kind of thing. If you're working in healthcare, you might be working with vulnerable people. So it, it can vary from topic to topic, but it, they can at least give you a head start on what to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of this slightly, you know, maybe I'm not going to say off topic, but certainly just thinking about the research. Has anyone had any experiences of doing research where it's not gone to plan? Because I think, you know, people, you know, students sometimes think my research will go to plan and, and it will be fine. But I know in certainly in my experience, I had to sort of have a plan B and a plan C because my original ideas of what would be good research didn't necessarily work. Anyone have well, any when experiences I... of that? Yeah, well, when I was doing my postgrad course, um, we spent the whole of the first sort of half of the course talking about all these different research methods, good research practice, and we were all raring to get out the gates and go and do our research and then say it with me, coronavirus happened and we all had to completely rethink all of our projects because we couldn't do face-to-face research. Um, we couldn't go out and collect data. We couldn't, um, you know, I, I, mine was built around an experiment, couldn't do the experiment. Um, I think the thing to sort of keep in mind is that you can make things of value in terms of your research and that kind of thing if you're careful about it and if you think carefully about sort of how you can purpose it and and, and how you can use it. So. I feel like I've said this a million times throughout these sort of little sections on dissertations, but it it bears repeating. Think about what it is at the heart of your project. What is it that you actually want to try and find out? Mm. And then you can usually kind of um, find a way to do it. So sometimes you'll be doing, say, like quantitative research where you'll have a hypothesis or something like that, and you'll go out and you'll think, I reckon this is true. I reckon this is how it works. You'll go and test it against some data you'll find out your hypothesis was completely wrong. You were way off the mark. doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't learned anything, though. It doesn't necessarily mean... It means that you've at least proven that this isn't the case, or at least in in what you've done hasn't been the case. So there's something you can talk about, and, and we'll we'll sort of talk about it more when we talk about discussions, but there's at least something you can discuss. Um, similarly, with, with qualitative research, there's sometimes... Um, 
you'll have things where you'll have your literature review and you'll go, right, I'm going to ask about this. I think these themes are going to come up. I think people are going to talk about this. Nobody mentions them. Nobody <laughs> talks about the thing that you think they're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, you just roll with the punches. And that is, in some respects, what's so exciting about research is the fact that you never quite know what you're going to get out of it. Sometimes... Um, the best research projects are things where sort of like, why did this happen? This wasn't supposed to happen. And suddenly it blows a whole door open that you didn't think was there. And someone goes and looks into why that happened. So um, there's almost always something you can do um, in terms of, of, of things happening. But I mean, things can and do go wrong. Um, the best way you can manage that is plan ahead and leave yourself time. Like don't underestimate how long this stuff will take you know if, if you think it's going to take a week to do something leave yourself two weeks because if something goes wrong then at least you've got that blanket um of time so just plan ahead prepare ahead as best you can and then if things do happen on the fly you've at least got time to sort of recenter yourself and go again mm. and some of the practicalities with your research you know about you know for example if you're doing interviews i've i've had spoken to students before well, we're going to do 10 interviews and you're like that's great but you know you do realize how long that's going to take to transcribe and then you know take that data and whatever you're going to do with it to analyze it that's you know you've got to be realistic as well with what you're researching if you've ever transcribed an hour's worth of conversation you know how long an hour's worth of conversation exactly. can translate into writing time it's a long time that's right that's right so it can be quite tricky um yeah is there anything else, Kevin, that you would say to people they need to consider with the methodology? Um, I think the other thing is just this, you know, we've talked a lot about being crit critical discussion, critical you know, discussion in your literature review and the importance of being critical. But, you know, your your methodology should should be, uh, should be offer a critical discussion of your decisions as well. You know, that's mm. kind of what I've been saying. And sometimes I see a methodology which becomes just an overview of, you know, here's the quality of research is, here's what this type of study design yeah. is, here's what something else is, or even starts listing lots of different types of study designs. And it's it's not even clear what type of study or what type of approach has been used. You know, remember at each stage, it's basically a justification through evidence of the decision that you made. And that's where this notion of critical kind of interrogation. The thing, you know, whenever we're right critically, we're always asking questions of something and, and, and using evidence to inform the answers to those questions. In this instance of methodology, the thing that you're asking questions of is your decisions that you made as a researcher, right? And that's the things that you're answering and justifying through evidence. So, you know, certainly when you, you the, I see methodologies, it can be a word count issue, but where they do talk about other alternatives that could have been considered, but I think you want to try and keep it as much you, you can certainly mention the benefits of appro other approaches or other approaches were considered but keep it as much as possible a discussion of the things that, that you did and you know nod to other alternatives but the, the, the central focus should be the justification of, of those methods that you employed and why you employed them and why they were beneficial and why they were suitable to your to your study aims and, and then at each stage at each moment mm. uh, providing evidence to support that you know that's the thing you can't do a methodology without evidence sometimes people just write a description of what they did. What they did. You know, it's like, oh. a, and that's just a, a sto the story, the description of their methods. You know, you need, you expect to have evidence in your in your methodology, and that's that evidence which is supporting all of the, those decisions that you're making. And I always yeah. think that evidence is fairly straightforward, as as Ben has said. You know, there are so many research methods books, and if you read one that's quite complicated, because some of them can be 
quite technical, just find one that you understand better because some of them are very simply written and easily written and just really break down the terminology quite well. I think the yeah. other point you mentioned, Kevin, about, you know, talking quite positively about the decisions that you've made. I've seen dissertations before where students have put, you know, quite a big piece about all the decisions they they just they didn't why they didn't do this why they didn't do that you know or and and then you end up just saying well why didn't you do that you know um you know try and be positive about your decisions and, and like you say a nod to maybe the things that you discounted but don't go on and on and on about all the things you didn't do tell us yeah. what you did do yeah the other thing just sort of worth mentioning is you know a lot of things you didn't do is um and also on the point about the complexity of research methods books and that kind of thing is you know cut yourself some slack for a lot of people i would say probably most of the people who are listening to this podcast this will be your first entry into the world of research this is your first ever project no one is expecting you to make every decision perfectly and get everything right and do a flawless piece of research you know uh, what they're measuring here is just that you have the aptitude and the ability to you know go on and 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 kind of do this kind of thing and, and to put that together so in terms of you know we talk about limitations every single piece of research ever has some kind of limitation mm. sometimes the limitation is there's one of me you know research often <laughs> pro, you know actual research projects take like two years to plan out and then a team of six people to carry out and all this kind of thing and you're doing all of this by yourself so True. don't don't panic too much if it seems kind of small scale or it seems sort of um you know, I, you, it's great seeing really ambitious projects where you pe see people coming in. Like, I'm going to do a mixed methods project. So I'm going to do quantitative this and qualitative that, and I'm going to do a hundred of these. And that's like, okay, that would be awesome if that can happen. Um, but like, be realistic. You know, do one thing well rather than trying to do twenty things and and completely overwhelming yourself. So one of the things about it is just keep it realistically, um, keep it realistic, and you know, be aware of the amount of time you have, the amount of resources you have, what you can realistically pull off. And, um, and, and you know, that is fine. It's totally acceptable for that to be a factor in your decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good point to, to end on is just, you know, be realistic with that um, methodology. You know, you don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. You don't have to change the world with your research. It can be quite small-scale research and, and just very well discussed. So like you said, Ben, just maybe, you know, focusing on a few things that you've done well rather than talking about lots and lots of things or trying to do something that's too ambitious. So hopefully that's helped a little bit just thinking about the methodology and that sort of tricky middle bit of your dissertation. Um, remember that we offer dissertation appointments so you can chat to an academic skills advisor. Um, although we're not replacements for the supervisor, we hasten to add, um, but we can talk to you about the structure of your work. Um, and as always, we'd love your comments and feedback on the podcast. So if there's a topic you'd like to hear us have a blether about, then drop a line to skills at uws.ac.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>